for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Mike Sando, who covers the NFL for The Athletic, about how the QBs across the NFL are ranked according to 50 executives and coaches in the NFL. Every year now, for nine consecutive years, Mike Sando has put together his QB tiers list. Who landed on top of the list? Where does Trey Lance pop up? And which second-year quarterback has the best chance to make a jump for 2023's QB tiers? All stuff we can talk about with Mike Sando, who joins me next. Today is Friday, July 29th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. Mike Sando covers the NFL for The Athletic. And, of course, the QB tiers are out for 2022. Mike, I was thinking about you the other day. I think like every NFL fan on Monday morning, I woke up in a cold sweat and I went, oh, where's my QB tiers? They're not out. And now they're out. We got them here for, for 2022, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's been a very eventful week. It always is. It's such a fun project and uh, a labor of love for me. So happy to talk about it. This is a fun thing to get into every year. So what happens is you poll 50 executives and coaches from around the NFL and you've done this. Is this the ninth year you've done this now? Nine years. Started in 2014. And they take every quarterback in the in the league and you, they put them in a, in a tier, right? One through five is the way they rank them. The average score puts a guy up in, in tier one and, and you break it through like that based on their average. So number one, again, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, you've got Patrick Mahomes there. What's the biggest surprise for you here before we get into some of the specifics? Anybody that surprised you with their movement up or down this year based on the voting? It seems a little early. I don't necessarily disagree, but here Joe Burrow with really one full season and Justin Herbert, who's 15 and 17 as a starter, couldn't make the playoffs. Those two guys going right into tier one. It's a tough crowd in the league. You know, you don't just get anointed. So that shows you there's a lot of excitement about those guys. And then I think it was a little surprising, maybe not surprising, but notable that uh, Russell Wilson, he's been in tier one for a while. Huge trade this offseason. Hey, the Broncos got their guy. Did the Broncos give all that up for a tier two quarterback? There's no shame in being a tier two quarterback. I wish I was a tier two quarterback, but <laughs> you know, they gave up a lot. The promised land, right? I mean, did they sell the farm for a tier two? And that's what the, the league says. Yes, they did. And we'll see what he can do there with a new coach, new environment, and and maybe a happier marriage for him. Well, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but tier two quarterbacks uh, drive Cadillacs too, for, from what I can tell. So what do you think about, about that move for him out there? He does have some weapons. It's going to be a really, really fun division to watch the AFC West top to bottom. It's probably got all the best quarterbacks uh, in any division of any division in the NFL. Uh, what do you make of that move over there? There's a lot of quarterback movement from this offseason that, uh, that we, we're going to have to sort of adjust to and, and figure out which situation was the best for each guy. But Russell Wilson is, is one that we'll be watching closely. What do you make of that move and, uh, and where he stands with the Broncos and where they are this year i mean i think it's a great move for them to upgrade quarterback because they haven't had a good one but i think it's a tough act to follow meaning his own act he had a great run in seattle the stats were amazing until the last year year and a half when he was injured and some other things were going on but his win record was winning you know great they won a super bowl now you're going to go parachute into the afc west which is run by Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And oh, by the way, Justin Herbert's in tier one with the Chargers. And Derek Carr has Josh McDaniels. They got Devontae Adams. They got uh, Darren Waller. They got Hunter Renfro. I mean, there's probably as good of a chance that Denver finishes last in that division as first because there may not be a big space between those two things, right? 
It's going to be tough. I mean, he, he's a player that defined an entire city in a league that, that dominates the United States, right? Uh, he defined the city of Seattle. You think uh, Seattle Seahawks, you think Russell Wilson, and now he's a Denver Bronco. You make a good point, though, about they have as good a chance maybe as to finish last as, as first or to do well, because it seems like when you've got a division like that that's this powerful or this stacked, there's going to be some team that, that comes up short in, in a number of games throughout the season, and maybe it's just a possession or, or a, a turnover at the end of a game, but seems to me that could be the case. Probably not with the Chiefs, probably not uh, – uh, well, anybody else. After the Chiefs, I sort of look at that and I say anybody could go 2-3-4 and four, and Russell Wilson leaves uh, some tough defenses in the NFC West, but how about the moves on defenses for the uh, the Raiders, adding Chandler Jones opposite Max Crosby, Khalil Mack to the Chargers with J.C. Jackson. It's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for Russ and the Broncos. Now, those are a couple of older players who have had some problems staying on the field. I think that's something to look. They look great on paper when you get Khalil Mack, you get Chandler Jones, but you sort of look at their recent history. There's there's a reason why they were available too. And so I think you have to take that into account. It's, it's real. I think it's overcoming. It's outgunning those quarterbacks in that division. Cause like I said, look at Derek Carr with Josh McDaniels and those weapons. I mean, that could be as good as what Denver has going easily. Yeah. Darren Waller there, of course. And you mentioned Renfro and, and Devontae Adams. Speaking of Devontae Adams, what, what do you think Aaron Rodgers is? And again, it'd be, it'd be foolish, I think, to count him out or his skill set, regardless of who's out there catching passes from him. But last year, what did he go? 37 touchdowns to just four interceptions, 48 and five the year before, back-to-back MVPs. He was sort of joking, uh, given the Devontae Adams comment uh, earlier uh, uh, in training camp, saying uh, it's tough to go from, from one Hall of Famer to another, referring to Devontae Adams' comments on, on Derek Carr. What, what do you think about the the receivers he's got and what he's looking at this year Rodgers, i think can function anyway i mean he's in a good spot with his coach and his coordinator and his offense and we've seen guys like robert tunyon suddenly have 10 or 12 touchdown passes in a season i do think that he's going to miss Devonte adams they had that sixth sense together when when two real true professionals work together a long time they don't even have to say anything they just look at each other they can finish each other's sentences I think that's going to be missed, and that is going to affect them in critical situations in games, two-minute. I think that they probably will. You know, they've been kind of a 13-and-3-ish type team. Obviously, a little different change into the 17-game season. I think their record probably will not be quite as good. It's hard to be that good anyway, but I think they lose some of that. Just what was automatic? What gave them an advantage? Two great pros who really know each other so well. Year after year, game after game, Devontae Adams knew where to find an open space, and Aaron Rodgers incredible at, at, at getting out and creating space for himself to be able to make a pass like that. Uh, moving down some of the list here, uh, I want to ask you about number nine, Deshaun Watson. H- has it felt any different, or, or have you experienced in talking to any of these executives and coaches, is any of the evaluation different on him? Like if a running back sits out for a season, we saw this with like Le'Veon Bell, we saw it with Marshawn Lynch. If a running back or a guy like that sits out for a year, oftentimes they come back, they're not the same guy. I don't believe that's the same sort of scope on, on quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, what's the evaluation like for Deshaun Watson? Is, is it the expectation that he'll be as good as ever if and when he gets on the field this year? I think there's an expectation that there could be some growing pains and who knows if he's even going to you know, play or play half the season. I think there's enough trust in the talent, just setting aside all the other stuff, enough trust in the talent with a pure football evaluation that he's going to be good. And I think he goes to a system there in Cleveland that's you know pretty positive for quarterbacks because the run game's emphasized and it takes a little bit of pressure off of them. So there's high expectations for him as a player, but in the short term, a little bit of uncertainty and, and just where he's at, right? He could be rusty. Where's he at mentally? All of that. And is he even going to be on the field is a really fair question. He could miss half the season. He could come in midway through. 
maybe they've won two games in a row and then suddenly he comes in and, you know, isn't up to speed and has a few tough games. I think there's just enough uncertainty there to knock him down into tier two. He had been at the bottom of tier one before, I think rightly so. You feel like he could get there again, but you just can't bet on it right away. We haven't seen it. We just don't know what it's going to look like coming back. Uh, moving, moving on to the list and, and whipping around the NFL a little bit more with some of the other quarterbacks. How about Kyler Murray? Comes in at number 13, just gets the contract, and of course everybody's talking about the number of hours he's going to have to study each week leading up to uh, to game time uh, on Sunday or on on Thursday night or Monday night, whenever the game is, is going to be played. Kyler Murray at 13, I, I felt like last year was a bit of a regression year for him. Um, I, I thought two years ago he looked like he had some skill sets, and I don't know if the studying goes into this at all. I'm not sure what you've heard but how do you evaluate Kyler Murray? And did you think he took a step back? Do you think he's poised for some growth this year? This offense is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a roll out of the pocket type of quarterback and just sort of heave the ball downfield. Made some bad mistakes in that playoff game uh, last year, uh, just sort of heaving the ball into the end zone. What, what are your thoughts on Kyler Murray and how is he viewed around the league? The biggest thing on the field has been that he hasn't been able to do it for a whole season. I think that's the number one question with him. Can he hold up physically and under the strains of a season and be good from start to finish because last year they were seven and oh i believe they had a really good record and he was sort of riding high and then hasn't been able to sustain the studying thing you definitely have heard behind the scenes people have questioned kind of his makeup for lack of a better word right and i was careful in this piece like there, there were comments from people that we just didn't put in there because yeah they're anonymous and you're you're on some levels almost questioning somebody's character the clause that came out in the contract embodies all of those things that people have been kind of whispering behind the scenes about Kyler Murray, the concerns. It's a little bit of a maturity thing. And, and some of it is just a, maybe a sense of entitlement. I draw a parallel to Carson Wentz. I don't think these are bad guys. I think these are guys who've been successful. I don't want to say just by showing up, but they, but like wherever they've gone, it's just turned to gold. That does not happen automatically forever. And I think these guys kind of feel like it does. Wherever they've gone, they've been the best guy. Now here they are, you know, you hit some bumps on the road and your preparation is where you can maintain your excellence or get better. And I remember last year, Brock Heward, I used to cover him when he was on the Seahawks and we've become friends since then. He made some waves by saying, hey, the thing I hear about Kyler Murray is he's great on Sunday. He's all there, but his Monday through Saturday engagement and preparation just isn't what it needs to be. And everyone, oh, how do you say that? Well, the clause in the contract tells me that's pretty true. It's a funky thing, man, because it doesn't make anybody look good. Because then you question the Cardinals for going, well, then why would you fork over this kind of money? And, and then Kyler, now you question his ability to, to get stuff done, uh, you know, in the preparation leading up to, to game time on Sunday. Uh, that, that's going to be a story to follow for sure, not just this year, but but in the next couple of years to come. Uh, I do want to get to a little bit on Trey Lance. And obviously, he's ranked near the bottom. I think he's down at number 29 uh, on the tiers. But he's played two games, right, in the NFL. This guy uh, has had a couple of starts. And I think he looked much better in his second start last year than he did in the, uh, in the first out. And uh, and last year in preseason looked pretty good. Kyle Shanahan says he's the guy. Jimmy Garoppolo out. Trey Lance is in. He's walking into a good situation with a lot of weapons around him, a great play caller in Kyle Shanahan. What do you think the league's view of what he is right now versus what he can be, will be, going into this year? Probably a big step back from Jimmy Garoppolo. You have a seasoned pro that you know you can get to championship game with. I think other teams are happy to see them go to Trey Lance. They think they're going to fall off in the short term he may develop but they think he's a raw player and what from what they saw last year nowhere close to being able to take that team as far as they've been able to get so we'll see if that's a little harsh sometimes you don't have enough information but what they did see 
Do not make them think that he's going to light the world on fire right away. Wow, that's a, that's a different tone, I think, than, than we've heard out here in the Bay Area. Okay, let me ask you this just before we let you go. Of all the second-year quarterbacks, Trey Lance included, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Zach, uh, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Jones, even throw Davis Mills in there, uh, of all those guys, who do you think makes the biggest jump on the QB tiers after this season into next year? Probably Trevor Lawrence. Now, there wasn't as much excitement about him as you would think for a top pick, but... Uh, given how bad it was with Urban Meyer, you would think just having a professional setup and a good work atmosphere, uh, you would see him jump. I think Mac Jones is all, was already good, and I don't think there's as big of a feeling that he's going to, you know, just be way better than that. He's already pretty good, and you know, Fields with the Bears have they helped him enough, right? I mean, he could be better, but it doesn't feel like they're gearing up for this year. And new coach, new GM, always tough to uh, to deal with. Mike, I know it's busy for you this time of year, man. I really, really appreciate the time. It's always fun catching up and, uh, and talking quarterbacks with you. We'll talk to you later this season, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, great stuff from Mike Sando. Make sure, you, if you have not, you check out the QB tiers. That article's available, and uh, we'll post the link in the uh, description here for this podcast episode as well. Make sure you check it out. It's a great piece. Dives into all the starting quarterbacks and some bench quarterbacks, and even at number 29, Trey Lance is going to be higher than a handful of guys who uh, who showed up on this quarterback tier list. I, I tell you what, I was a little bit surprised to hear Mike Sando say that about Trey Lance. Uh, not necessarily that it would be... Uh, uh, that they haven't seen the skill set yet because, again, we don't have a whole lot to go off of uh, with, with limited playing time both in college and in the NFL, but more so the fact that executives and coaches around the league are excited that the Niners are making the move away from Jimmy Garoppolo. If they're so damn excited, why didn't somebody trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? They thought they thought he was so good. Why didn't somebody come get Jimmy G? Anyway, we'll see what happens. Lots of question marks around the NFL and specifically uh, with Trey Lance and a lot of these second-year quarterbacks. What's going to happen with Fields in Chicago, Zach Wilson in New York, uh, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, and he's right. Mac Jones is probably the guy most established and stable with Bill Belichick. We'll continue to get into uh, to more football as the days and weeks roll ahead on Monday. We'll start our preview of the NFC West. Michael Sean Dugar is going to join us from The Athletic. Covers the Seahawks. Get into a little bit of what's going on with them. They've got a ton of changes this offseason with Russell Wilson going out to Denver. Chris Carson calling it a career. Bobby Wagner to the LA Rams. All stuff we can talk about next week. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us so you don't miss an episode of the update all football season long. Plenty to get to in the days and weeks ahead. Until then, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.